0: Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everyone, welcome into the show. This is the Cherry Picking Podcast and I'm your host, Andre Cherry. Let's break down week two of college football action. It was jam-packed with exciting games. We had some upsets. We'll get into it. We will break down some of the action from this past weekend and week two. Then we'll also preview week three. So let's just go ahead and get this started, shall we? So we start this podcast off like we normally do during the college football season, where I will recap my top five locks from the previous weekend's action. So for week two action... I had in the ACC, Boston College over UMass. In Boston College, they did not disappoint. I got a victory here, 45-28. to 28. This was a big win for BC. However, their star quarterback, Phil Jerkovic, was injured in the first half, so he went out of the game. He did not return, but BC running back, Pat Garwo, ran for a career-high 160 yards on 15 carries. And as a team... BC for the day they rushed for 252 yards so that was a tremendous effort from the running backs for Boston College this weekend Boston College they will definitely need to correct some of the mental errors the Eagles committed 11 penalties for 99 yards in this game but this is a good little tune up game before you get into the regular season of the ACC they do play Temple this weekend so that's another little tune-up game that they will have but definitely want to cut down on those mental errors I'm never a big fan of that and so if they can do that, they will have a pretty good season in the Atlantic this year because I feel like it's going to be more wide open than it's usually been. Clemson is a a good team, don't get me wrong, but I think there's going to be some room this season for something to maybe happen and maybe shake up what's been the normal order for the past seven years. So they, they definitely have a tremendous opportunity ahead of them. In this game, former Temple Tough guy and recent transfer into the program isaiah graham mobley he tied for the most tackles for bc on saturday with seven this is a guy that i'll be keeping my eyes on he was a tremendous athlete for temple when they had him he transferred out to bc certainly gonna keep my eyes on him especially this weekend as they come into philly and to play the owls but that'll be a, a guy that i'll be keeping close attention on as he moves forward in the season so there we have it we Got the win there out of the ACC, BC over UMass. In the Big Ten, I had Rutgers over Syracuse. Rutgers got the win 17-7, so I got the W there. After posting 61 points against Temple last week during Week 1 action, Rutgers came back down to reality this weekend in its matchup against Syracuse. This game was scoreless through the first half before both teams finally scored in the third quarter. The big call-out for this game is that Syracuse committed three turnovers, which Rutgers was able to capitalize on. And even with this win, I think it'll be a tough season for Rutgers. I also don't know the outlook is going to be favorable for Syracuse either or Dino, Dino Babers, the head coach there. You know, I like the guy. Uh, I think he's got a good story. He, he actually was the coach at Eastern Illinois back in the day. But it's a sad little decline for Dino and the Syracuse Orange as Dino, he was the coach of the year in the ACC in 2018, after the Orange posted a 10-3 and record and finished number two behind Clemson in the Atlantic that season. But 2018 seems like a long, long time ago. And, you know, there's been uh, talk about Dino Babers having a hot seat this year. And I'm not saying that he needed to win against Rutgers, but he needed to win against Rutgers, I feel like. Because their schedule is pretty tough this year in the ACC. So you got to collect those wins wherever you can get them. But not a good effort for Syracuse in their loss against Rutgers this past weekend. Like I said, the game was within reach. At certain points, the Syracuse Orange committed three turnovers. So that opened the door for Rutgers to slam the door on Syracuse. But again, Rutgers came back down to reality. 61 points the first weekend against Temple. They probably felt like world beaters. And now they are looking like it's back to reality for Rutgers. So we'll see what they both of these teams will do this season in their respective conferences. Out of the Big 12, I had Iowa over Iowa State. This was a pretty interesting game. Iowa got the victory 27 to 17. College Game Day was here uh, at Iowa State in Ames, Iowa. If you've never been to Ames, you should check it out. I was there for is it Visha Week? Is that they used to do this thing Visha Week, I believe. Is is what it's called. I went there back in the day when I was in college but been there once never been there for a football game but these past few seasons head coach Matt Campbell I mean he's got that that Ames Iowa pumped I mean Iowa State is a, a legitimate contender out of the Big 12 you know you might not believe it after the week one they had and then this matchup against Iowa where they lost 27 to 17 Iowa retains the CyHawk trophy and extends its win streak over Iowa State to six games and if you can believe it or not, which I do, this was the first Cyhawk Trophy game in 65 meetings where both teams came into this contest ranked nationally. So this was a pretty important game for both of these two teams. Iowa State, they lose it. But again, I said last week, I think this team will still be a legitimate threat out of the Big 12 this year. So even though you lose to Iowa, it sucks you still have an opportunity to do some pretty impressive things within your conference if you can just regroup and get it back together. For this matchup against Iowa, Iowa turned four takeaways into 20 points and ran its overall win streak to eight games and its win streak against ranked teams to five. So Iowa has a lot of great momentum from last season into this season. Iowa has not won that many in a row against ranked opponents since 1960. Iowa is looking like they are going to be a legit team out of the Big Ten West this season. So I'm excited to see what they will do because they are, again, they're looking pretty, pretty solid through the first two games of the season. ISU quarterback Brock Purdy, he went 13 for 27 for 138 yards and three interceptions. That is no good, my friends. He was benched, as you would probably tend to believe would happen if you throw in three interceptions. He was benching the fourth quarter for sophomore quarterback Hunter Deckers, who had 114 yards through the air on 11 for 14 passing with one touchdown. So it'll be really interesting to see what head coach Matt Campbell decides to do moving forward. Brock Purdy, I feel like he's been there forever. He's a senior. He's a guy that was a Heisman hopeful coming into this season. ISU ranked very high. Much of the credit and success of that team you know can be attributed to the quarterback Brock Purdy he's played really well for that team at on a level that we haven't seen in quite some time for Iowa State but this season he has not looked like himself he hasn't gotten into regular season form yet and so I'll be really curious to see what the head coach decides to do there you know maybe Brock Purdy just need to pull him out of the game let him just sit on the bench Let this uh, sophomore, Hunter Deckers, come into the game. This is a guy that will be the future of Iowa State at some point. You know, sometimes you need to take a little break, a mental reset. So we'll see, you know, what what, uh, head coach Matt Campbell decides to do next week. But that's not a good day for Brock Purdy in a game that that he probably had circled on his calendar for quite some time. Iowa versus Iowa State, that's a big deal in Iowa. And so that's uh, unfortunate that... He had a a pretty poor effort on Saturday, but again, the season is still within reach within the Big 12. I I think you stumble against Iowa, but you could still do some great things within the conference. So I got the win there out of the Big 12. My only loss of the weekend was in the Pac-12. I had USC over Stanford, and boy, was I wrong. Stanford beat up on usc by a score of 42 to 28 i I really thought that this would be slight work for the usc trojans but again i was so so wrong there i didn't see this one coming at all especially after stanford's ugly loss to kansas state in week one i mean they got dominated in all phases of the game against kansas state and so i thought it would be easy work for usc this weekend against stanford they were at home but that was not the case stanford didn't seem to make any mistakes in this game And they capitalized whenever they had the ball. USC committed nine penalties for 111 yards and had one interception, which did lead to points for Stanford. So you can't commit errors. You cannot turn the ball over because that will help your opponent out. I never like to see that many penalties in a game. And then turning the ball over, that's never a good thing either, especially when the opponent can capitalize on that, which Stanford seemed to do. They didn't really make many mistakes at all, if any. The big star of the game for Stanford was running back Nathaniel Pete, who on six carries rushed for 115 yards, including an impressive 87-yard touchdown run. So this young man got loose, was able to put the ball into the end zone, and got a very impressive score for Stanford. USC head coach Clay Helton, his seat has got to be hot again. You've, you've heard the talk throughout last season and the season before at the end of uh, two seasons ago in 2019, that his job may have been in jeopardy. Remember, Urban Meyer was working on the Fox set, on the college football set in 2019. And there was some speculation that maybe Urban was getting ready to assume the USC job. That didn't happen. Clay Helton got another year. You know, he was able to survive that. He got a a pass, so to speak. But with this loss to Stanford, that can't help his outlook for remaining as the USC head coach through this season but as he said in his post-game interview you still got some time left to to fix this it's the second game of the season there's still some runway to go within the Pac-12 and he didn't seem to be phased by it and so we'll just see we'll wait and see if he can right the ship I mean that's a pretty pretty embarrassing loss to Stanford 42 to 28 that's that's pure domination We'll see what the USC Trojans can do to, to fix this, but that one was a loss that I did not see coming. So that's that's no good. Then in the SEC, I did have Texas A&M over Colorado. I didn't see that the game would be 10-7. to 7. I didn't predict that when making this prediction, but they got the win on the road in Colorado. Texas A&M, they survived that potential upset to extend its win streak to 10 games In this matchup, Texas A&M quarterback Haynes King suffered a lower leg injury in the first quarter of Saturday's game, and he did not return for the Aggies. King sustained the injury while scrambling to his right on third down during A&M's second series. The redshirt freshman left the field for evaluation, and he returned to the Aggies' sideline in street clothes, and he was on crutches with his foot in a boot. So hopefully he is able to rest up and and make a speedy return, because that's never good when your foot is in a boot hopefully he's okay sophomore zach calzada replaced king at quarterback with the aggies trailing seven to nothing so he was able to help this team win and and get a really really important win before heading into sec play here in a couple weeks but what a scare 10 to 7 but they did get the victory and so we'll see uh how they can regroup for next week but man oh man i did not see that one coming where it would be so close. but nonetheless I got the win there. so I went four and one this weekend, which is not bad. Overall I'm eight and two through two weeks. This week for week three action, I would love to be five and0. I think I can do it and so I want to give you my week three cherry picking locks within the power five conferences. These are straight up predictions in the ACC. I'm taking Virginia Tech over West Virginia vt honestly is looking like one of the more reliable teams from the acc this season i'm expecting a big win over west virginia this weekend so that's a lock there out of the acc out of the big 10 i'm taking northwestern over duke i don't know what you would call this matchup is it like the nerd bowl or the future leaders of america bowl but these two teams have very intelligent players on their rosters this has got there's got to be some sort of nickname for this matchup, but I'm taking the Cats. Chicago's Big 10 team Northwestern over Duke. Then in the Big 12, I'm taking Baylor over Kansas. That should be slight work. In the Pac-12, UCLA over Fresno State. I think UCLA's got a lot of momentum. They're going to be one of the teams to look out for this season, presumably. So, I'm taking UCLA over Fresno State. Then out of the SEC, I'm taking Georgia over South Carolina. South Carolina barely squeaked out a victory over ECU by a field goal. I don't think they get as close or lucky against Georgia. Georgia's looking like legitimately one of the best teams in college football already. If I had to predict the teams that will be in the playoff just through week two, there's definitely going to be two teams from the SEC represented Because I'm not sure about the ACC. I'm not even sure about the Big Ten. But I think for sure you'll have at least two teams out of the SEC this season. It could be Georgia and Alabama. But there's certainly more seasons to go. The SEC is looking like the legit conference that it is. It's looking like the heavyweight conference that it typically is already through two weeks. So there we have it, my friends. Those are my week three locks. Book them in. I'll uh, read them off to you one more time out of the ACC. Virginia Tech over West Virginia, out of the Big Ten, Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern, over Duke. Out of the Big 12, Baylor over Kansas. Out of the Pac-12, UCLA over Fresno State. And out of the SEC, Georgia over South Carolina. So there we have it, friends. I'm going to take a quick break, a quick timeout. Don't go anywhere. After this break, we'll get into the recaps of some of the Week 2 action And then we'll also preview some games in Week Three that have my attention and have my interest. So don't go anywhere. The Cherry Picking Podcast will be right back. (laughs) Then we'll do a. That's good. Okay, cool. So Uh, who says what? So I'm saying. You say that. So I'm saying five. Beth. Four. Three. Two. one. One. Hey there, I'm Dave. I'm Beth, and I'm Veronica. And we are the Happy Hour. We're a podcast dedicated to the most decorated NHL franchise of all time, the Montreal Canadiens. A casual listen by hat fans for hat stands. We have new episodes every week, so have a listen. Bye. Bye. Want to know what life is really like after the game is all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts, join the show, and there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration, plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey everyone welcome back into the show. Now we're gonna get into some of the recaps from week two action and we gotta start off with the biggest upset of the weekend. That was number three Ohio State losing to number 12 Oregon by a score of 35 to 28. If you follow me on Twitter at cherry underscore pickin, there's the video that I post every Friday teasing the new episode that I put out that week. And so on that teaser, I had predicted these three matchups, Iowa over Iowa State. I predicted Ohio State losing to Oregon, and I also predicted Arkansas over Texas. And I came up three correct picks, no losses on those predictions. I think some people might have thought that was a little bold of a prediction, I mean cuz after all I think Ohio State was favored by like 14 and a half points or something like that prior to kickoff so to make that prediction seem pretty bold but I really thought Ohio State while they are extremely talented they are going to be one of the better teams out of the Big 10 this season they did not impress me during the week 1 victory over Minnesota they just simply did not impress me and I think while they are chock full of talent and potential and they're going to be a threat out of the Big Ten. I just thought that the the, the time was right for an upset. And Oregon, even though it's on the road, in the horseshoe, that's not an easy place to win. I just thought Oregon would have a great shot to upend Ohio State. This is a better team than Minnesota. A bit, I think better coached. I mean, I give a lot of credit to P.J. Fleck. He's got those boys rowing those boats, but... Mario Cristobal is a really, really outstanding head coach. And this is a great victory for the Ducks. But I just knew coming into this game that Ohio State is going to be on upset alert. And that happened to be the case. The Buckeyes lost their first regular season game in nearly three years. In the first of third year head coach Ryan Day's tenure. The Buckeyes' last loss in the regular season came at Purdue in october 2018 under urban meyer it's been that that long ago since they lost in the regular season and to purdue no less osu quarterback cj shroud in his second start he was 35 of 54 for 484 yards good golly and three touchdowns the problem was not offense i'll give you that the problem was not with offense that was the, the 484 yards for Mr. Stroud. That was the second most yards in Ohio State history, just 15 short of Dwayne Haskins Jr.'s 499 yards against Northwestern in 2018. Now, the area of focus and the area that's going to need the greatest level of improvement is the Ohio State defense, which allowed the Ducks to run all over them. They ran buckshot over the Buckeyes in the tune of 269 rushing yards. That's a lot of yards for Ohio State to give up. Ducks running back CJ Verdell, he had quite the day. CJ Verdell, he, I feel like he's been there forever. He rushed for 161 yards on 20 carries with two touchdowns. This was the second straight game that Ohio State's defense has allowed an opponent an opponent's rusher to rack up at least 160 yards in rushing. In week one, Minnesota running back Mohamed Ibrahim posted an impressive 163 yards with two touchdowns before he went out to injury. This defense for Ohio State looks like the weak spot on the team this season. That's going to be something to look out for. I mean, if we look at 2020, it's a small sample size because it was the COVID season. In 2020, that defense only gave up an average of 98 yards rushing. An average of 98 yards rushing for the shortened season is all they gave up last season. And they've already allowed teams to amass over 200 yards in rushing in two consecutive weeks. So Ryan Day is going to have his work cut out for him to fix that defense because they are going to be in some trouble against better teams that they play. Now you ask me, what better teams do they play this season? There's one. There's one really good team on the roster. I thought Indiana might be a team that could push for the crown and they still could. Indiana didn't look impressive against Iowa in their week 1 loss to the Hawkeyes, but there's a team that might be ready and that team is Penn State. Penn State has looked they've looked well, they've they played really well the first two games of the season. That is probably the team or the game that I would circle on the calendar as another potential upset alert. That would be Penn State over Ohio State but that's not for quite some time Ohio State will have some some cupcake teams to get past before they even get to that point next week they play Tulsa and I wouldn't sleep on Tulsa because Tulsa's been they've been competitive in their first two games of the season while they have taken some L's in those first two games Tulsa is a team that I wouldn't sleep on I I would bring your game a game to beat Tulsa but I I think Ohio State's going to be so pissed off that Tulsa's not going to stand much of a chance this upcoming weekend but after that you got Akron you're at Rutgers Maryland then you're at Indiana and then Penn State comes to the horseshoe on October 30th so you got a while until that happens but I'm just calling it out that Penn State versus Ohio State game is going to be a really good watch I would I'd be watching that game on October 30th that's all I will say So that was a a game that I thought, you know, I thought Oregon had a shot. They did it. Congrats to the Oregon Ducks. They won that game for sure, but Ohio State's going to have to regroup if they're going to try to still push for a playoff spot potentially this season. Then we had Texas versus Arkansas. Texas came into this matchup ranked 21st. Arkansas was unranked, but I just had a sneaky suspicion that Texas would lose this game. And they did. Boy, did they lose that game. 40 to 21. Big win for the Razorbacks. And maybe a preview for Texas fans for what's about to come in the SEC. This competition is just too too competitive. From top to bottom. It's it's much more competitive than the Big 12. Far and away. And so Texas, if they think they're gonna come in and, and try to run buckshot. Over the SEC, which I don't think they have that thought or feeling that they're going to do that, but I'm just just forewarning them that you know it's, it's this is big boy league now in the SEC, and this is a, a throwback to a rivalry back in the day. I mean, these two teams used to play, but this was a beatdown in every sense of the word. The Razorbacks just absolutely shredded the Longhorns defense by rushing the ball for 333 yards and four touchdowns collectively. So that's quite a day. Freshman Longhorns quarterback Hudson Card made his second career start, and he completed just eight of five passes for 61 yards. He was then replaced by Casey Thompson in the fourth quarter, who made he made it more respectable by leading scoring drives on all three of his fourth quarter possessions. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, Sark does down there in Texas with his quarterback starter, whether it be Card or Thompson. He'll have to figure it out here pretty quickly. So if that was a beatdown, 40-21, to 21, good golly. Texas will not be ranked anymore this season, probably, is my guess. Then we had NC State versus Mississippi State. I have to talk about this game because I love NC State so much. And they disappointed me. They, it, they came back in the end, but this was a beatdown. Uh, Mississippi State beat the Wolfpack 24-10. This was a very tough loss for the Wolfpack, who looked mismatched and outplayed during this game. I did watch much of the second half of this game. When a team commits three turnovers in a game, they deserve to lose, as was the case here with NC State versus Mississippi State. This is a disappointing loss. It, it hurts. But NC State still has an opportunity to regroup in ACC play. They have an opportunity to push for the one or two spot within the Atlantic this season. I would be disappointed if NC State isn't at least number two in the division this year in the Atlantic. I want them to be number one, of course. I think they have the opportunity to to do so, but they did not look good at all. So if I'm your opponent within the ACC, I definitely am looking at this Mississippi State game to see what they did. I mean, they just looked mismatched in terms of talent and effort. And it sucks that NC State lost. They probably would have been knocking on the door of being ranked this, this week, upcoming week, if they had won that game. But they have an opportunity to regroup and certainly figure it out before they get into the ACC competition. So those are some other games in Week 2 action that were really intriguing. Really, uh, really thought that uh, Arkansas and, and Oregon would have an opportunity to upset those two teams this weekend. So they did. And it, I was not disappointed. I was uh, happy to see that I was right in with those predictions. If we look at Week 3 games, some games that I, I'm really interested in, aside from my locks for Week 3, you've got Nebraska versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma ranked in the top five. Nebraska really hasn't done much of anything since Scott Frost has been there. Scott Frost, I'm just looking at the – I'm looking at his – wins and losses since he's been there and he has no wins against any ranked opponent while at nebraska i don't see any upset wins here they did beat penn state so i may have that wrong but it looks like penn state wasn't ranked when they played them last season i just for some reason that week one game oklahoma had against tulsa where they almost lost the game to tulsa I just It makes me feel as if Nebraska has a shot. I don't know that I have the guts to call it and say that it will be an upset for Scott Frost and Nebraska, but something about that game makes me feel like Nebraska has a shot to upset Oklahoma. This was their, their former Big 12 opponent, Big 12 conference foe. I just, for some reason... I just feel as if Nebraska has a shot. And I think that's as far as I will go. But if they do win that game, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, I think Scott Frost is chilling at Nebraska for a few more seasons. I know there's been some rumors that some of the boosters and some of the folks around that program are not thrilled with Scott Frost and are happy with him. And, you know, it seems like he may be on the outs If they're able to beat Oklahoma this upcoming weekend on the road in Norman, I think he saves his job with one win. Would ideally like to go to a bowl game, but I think he saves his job if he beats Oklahoma this weekend. Again, I don't know that I have the guts to say that they will do it because Nebraska hasn't been a consistent team since Scott Frost has been at the helm. But I think Oklahoma is ripe for an upset and it, it could happen. I'm not saying it will, but I'm just that's a game that I'm I'm really interested in watching this weekend. A team that I think is on upset alert in the ACC is Miami. They play Michigan State this upcoming weekend. Michigan State will will fly out to Miami. As you know, Miami got throttled by Alabama in Week One, and they just barely squeaked by App State last weekend by two points. During that, that App Appalachian State game, Mountaineers wide receiver Jalen Virgil had a electric 100 yard kickoff return for a touchdown my man just put on the speed boosters and was out touchdown and it was a it was a close game app state gave everything it it had and almost won the game that would have been a heck of an upset for appalachian state and remember that's a team that beat michigan many many years ago so that would have been quite the upset miami was ranked in that matchup and they're going to have their work cut out for them if they're playing Michigan State this upcoming weekend. Michigan State looks good so far through this season. I know it's early. Look for my man and fellow Naperville Central Redhawk. I got to shout that out. He's an alum. He played on the football team. I did back, you know, back, back in the day. But this guy, Peyton Thorne, the quarterback for Michigan State, he had a tough battle at quarterback this past summer. Anthony Russo from Temple, he transferred in this offseason. Those two had quite the quarterback duel, and Peyton Thorne won it. He won that job. He's had pretty uh, good games thus far through two games of the season. I think he'll have a good game against Miami. I'm also looking for running back Jordan Simons and wide receiver Jaden Reed to make an impact in that game against Miami as well. They're playmakers on Michigan State. This would be quite the win for Michigan State if they can get it. A dark horse team out of the Big Ten for sure if they can get that win that would be that would be huge for Mel Tucker head coach this season his second year at Michigan State that would be a tremendous win so i'm calling that as upset alert for sure michigan state definitely has an opportunity to beat miami and the acc man i, I don't know what it is this season but the coastal's not looking too hot the atlantic's not looking too hot either i mean nc state should have won that game man NC State was favored to be one of the better teams in the Atlantic and you lose and get embarrassed against Mississippi State a team that's predicted to finish towards the bottom of their their conference within the SEC. It's just you can't have it. That's not good for the conference. And I think Miami is going to have to bring their A game if they're going to beat Michigan State because this is a better team than App State. Better playmakers than App State. And this is going to be a huge test for Miami this upcoming weekend. And then, of course, we got number one Alabama versus number 13 Florida. These two teams are looking like some of the best teams within college football. No no joke. I'm, I'm excited for this game. If we look at their matchups here, if we look at ESPN here, I mean, Bama is favored by 71.6%. They got playmakers, points per game. Both of these two teams put up some monster points. Alabama puts up 46 points per game. Florida's been putting up 38.5 points per game. These two defenses are pretty, pretty good. I mean, Bama, they only allow 13.5 points per game. Florida, by comparison, has only allowed an average of 17 points per game. So these two teams are pretty even match I would say. I mean, looking at 40 yards per game, Florida has racked up close to 610 yards per game, uh, 462.5 yards per game for Alabama. The defenses are pretty stout. Alabama if we look at their last two, they they've just played Mercer last weekend, they won that game 48 to 14. Florida, they played FAU, they played USF, so a couple Florida opponents. USF certainly is not SEC competition, but they handled those teams, USF and FAU pretty easily. I am interested to see what's going to happen this upcoming weekend. I'm sure college game day will probably be there. This will be a really important game. And if we just look at the history here, the recent history since 1992, these two teams have met 17 times with 10 coming in SEC title games. The Gators have lost 7 straight against the Crimson Tide, however, so that's not good. And head coach Dan Mullen, he's 0 in 10 straight up against Bama. That is not good. Those aren't some good those aren't good stats at all. But you can always change your history with one win and losing seven straight against the crimson tide i mean they're not alone i'm sure there's a lot of teams within the sec that have lost that many times so florida is not alone in that regard but florida has a great opportunity if they can beat alabama this upcoming weekend at home that would be quite the upset and that would shake up college football yet again i mean we've already seen some some pretty big losses already. I mean, some pretty pretty big matchups already through two weeks of the season. This will be a, a really important game for both of these two teams. And I'm really excited to see how, how it'll play out. That should be a fun week three matchup for us all to enjoy this upcoming weekend. And then we've also got Auburn and Penn State. Both of these two teams are ranked. Penn State has already done a pretty... Pretty impressive job through two games this season. If they can get a win over a ranked Auburn squad, that would be tremendous for Penn State. That's great momentum. And they would definitely be one of the top dogs to look out for out of the Big Ten this season, certainly out of the Big Ten East. But this would be a solid win for Penn State if they can get it. So those are some games that I'll be looking forward to this upcoming weekend and week three action. Before we get out of here, I do want to just mention the Big 12 expansion, the news that came out this past week so on september 10th which was a friday the big 12 conference moved to add brigham young university cincinnati houston and the university of central florida with the colleges able to join as early as 2023 so they extended invites to those schools those universities and so byu will join the big 12 on july 1st 2023 while the other three programs which are in the american conference currently will join the league no later than July 1st, 2024. There is probably an opportunity for an early buyout for those teams out of the American, so we'll have to wait and see the route those teams decide to go. But the Big 12 moved extremely quickly to try to cover for the departure of Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. They moved fast, and they got the teams they wanted, presumably. And so I'm I'm. It, happy that the big 12 is still going to remain the big 12 now it truly is 12 (laughs) they were without uh two teams uh for a while they've been playing with 10 teams currently this is exciting news houston central florida cincinnati they're currently in the american conference which will now dwindle down to nine schools after they leave so i'm really wondering what the american will decide to do if they will invite any additional teams to replace the teams that are leaving those teams houston central florida and cincinnati they have a 10 million dollar buyout before exiting the conference so we will wait and see if they decide to, to buy out earlier than uh what is contractually obligated to do so but texas and oklahoma they are actually scheduled to depart the league in 2025 but they could also leave sooner which some think that they probably will but if not the big 12 could potentially have some overlap with the new and outgoing members so it's a pretty pretty uh fascinating stuff to hear that the Big 12 got teams from the American, the Texas Oklahoma going to SEC, this new alliance between the Pac-12, Big 10, ACC. I mean everything is just moving extremely quickly and it's it's probably not done yet. So we will have to wait and see what what will follow this move what uh, additional shifting might take place certainly within the Atlantic certainly within the American there's an opportunity there for some teams to come up Um, I heard someone mention on Twitter I, I would give the credit if I remembered who it was that Coastal Carolina has been rumored to potentially be of some interest to the American Conference to get them into that to that conference so we will have to wait and see what will happen but it is a fascinating time within college athletics certainly with everything happening and swirling about in terms of nil and these teams presumably moving to other conferences to create super conferences and alliances it's just crazy what is happening right now in college football and i know it's not done yet there will probably be more shifting before the season is out so i will be just as excited and and anxious as you all are to see what uh finally plays out at the end of the season but more to come and if there is any news about that I certainly will share that with you all on the podcast but with that I want to thank you all for downloading this episode I hope you enjoyed it thank you for for listening thank you for following me on twitter at cherry underscore picking you can find all my picks that I make on my website cherrypickingsports.com please go out there please see those picks that I make those upset picks that come right every now and then I, I got to do it again, maybe this weekend, but let's have fun this weekend. College football, week three action. Can't wait for it. Can't wait to talk to you all again soon. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Peace. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com if you are looking to interact with me via social media my twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin that's p-i-c-k-i-n on my twitter you'll also find a link to my blog where i post my weekly college football predictions and analysis i can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.